All right, um, so I'm going to talk about Firefox OS, and not only about Firefox OS, but the importance of HTML5 on mobile. Um, thanks for having me. It's a beautiful, typical Amsterdam day. They say you haven't lived until you get to your talk all soaked after a bike ride. I miss that. It started to be too beautiful here. So um, Firefox OS. How many of you have a Firefox OS phone here? Really? Wow. That's more people I expected. I expected nobody to have one. So after the talk, five more people will have a Firefox OS phone because I will give away five, five phones. And but it all depends on who uh, Paul chooses. So the, out of the questions you will ask about my talk, five people will be chosen and will get a phone. Uh, Geeks Phone Peak. All right, so as Paul said, I live in Amsterdam. Uh, that's funny because um, the organizers offered me to stay in the hotel conference anyway, in the conference hotel anyway. Uh, and I said, no, I'll rather sleep in my bed. And then I thought, like, would I rather sleep in my bed? What hotel was this? And I didn't ask in time. So maybe I missed out on a cool hotel bed. Anyway. Um, that's my Twitter. I run on Twitter like most of you. Uh, that's my GitHub um, where my projects are. Projects are mostly Node.js, JavaScript, some Firefox OS now. Uh, before I worked at TomTom, uh, I bet that most people didn't know that TomTom UIs were made in, or the last ones at least, were made in uh, JavaScript, WebKit-based uh, ARM build. Um, so, after that, I worked at uh, Cloud9 IDE, making a cool IDE uh, online, mostly for JavaScript, but now for all languages. Uh, cool thing about, uh, curious thing about TomTom, uh, this is the stock, their stock valuation for the last three years. The first arrow points out at when we introduced to the market, we finally released the WebKit devices. The market loved it, and when you know, uh, stock went up, um, the second arrow is when I leave the company, and I don't want to draw any conclusions, really, but you know, it's quite a coincidence that uh, everything went down at that point. Actually, later on, they introduced, uh, they switched from WebKit to Android, and I, I think that wasn't the best decision. Um, and probably a, a reason why the stock went down. Anyway, uh, that's the present. I work at Telenor Digital uh, for Firefox OS, so what that means is that I basically work for Mozilla and I get paid by somebody else. Telenor is a, this Norwegian telco uh, that has many markets over the world, and they're very interested in deploying lots of Firefox OS phones. Um, all right, back to the theme of the talk. Um, we have problems. We're here in a, in a, front, in a in Frontiers conference, right? Everybody is a front-end developer, yet most phones have uh, HTML5 as a second-class citizen. And we're kind of OK with that, apparently. The main problems of the current market and the current mobile market is um, I'm I, I put these four brands on top. They are the most known, although I don't even know what BlackBerry is doing now. I don't know if they continue or not. Who has a BlackBerry phone? Good. Um, OK, so um, 
what's the, what's the problem with mobile right now, especially for developers? Um, the current web, web uh, mobile platforms are write once, run once, which means that if you are going to make an app for Android, that's going to be awesome. They have great frameworks, great tooling, but your, your app is going to run on Android and nothing else. You want to do an app for iOS, you have to make it for iOS. And that means uh, different incompatible APIs, obviously, different language, different environment, different tooling, different everything. If you, let's say, are a big company and want to have presence in every single phone or most customers, you will also have to make an app for Windows and an app for BlackBerry. And that, again, is different APIs, different everything. Even if, um, even if Windows phones and BlackBerry are HTML5 compatible, they have their own APIs. So you still have to learn stuff that you shouldn't really have to learn. And why would a developer have to, do, have to rewrite the app four times or five, depending on what platforms you support, for the same app? It seems a, bit, a little bit overkill. Of course, you also have the store restrictions. Um, each platform has its own policies, its own stores, telling you what can go in and what cannot, its own waiting times. Um, so that doesn't make it easier for developers. And also, you have to pay fees and whatnot. Um, this is just a, 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 an example that was perfect for the talk. This is uh, the One Password app, a pretty popular app for storing your passwords. Um, these are current screenshots of the app in iPhone and in Android. Both apps are extremely different from each other. The Android one looks notoriously worse. They don't seem to care too much. And that's finally what happens when you have this difference among platforms. The main, the, the, what happens is that either companies put less effort on some of the platforms because they, you know, you know, metrics or whatever, they think that some users are less important than others, or they just don't have the resources to have all, all these developers working on different apps, time or resources. So the end result is this, and the user suffers in the end. Most people, you know, many iOS users are happy with the state of the, uh, it's a loop, so it, it's, it's really bad. Um, most, most users th think that they're happy with, their, with the current state of, the, of things, but reality says otherwise. Um, so, you probably guess what I'm, what I'm going to say. The solution is HTML5 uh, because it's universal and all. This, this is true but it, there's, some, there's some details to be added. So HTML5 is also being used as a massive buzzword, just like the cloud in this Dilbert comic. Um, everyone is talking about HTML5, and we don't really, we're, we're, losing, we're, we're losing our sense of what HTML5 really means. What do people mean? Do, we, do they mean um, just the markup language? Do they mean uh, it's web pages? Do they mean all the technologies that there are? So when I talk about HTML5, um, in this talk, I'm going to talk about a set of technologies and tools that, don't, that include the markup language, but uh, also include the two other most popular technologies, CSS3 and JavaScript, and also include all the rest of, the, uh, of, of technologies that are uh, being added into browsers lately. Um, WebRTC, web components, these are big ones that are going to be extremely important in the mobile world. Um, in the following year or two. Of course, you have Canvas, SVG, ASM.js, uh, WebGL, all these are, it, 
these technologies are going to change the way we, we make apps. So that's, that's what HTML5 is going to be for me. There's also oops, um, another reason, which is ubiquity. Uh, almost, there's only one device in this screen that doesn't support HTML5, and it's not the Windows Phone. So in, in this screen, you can see that all the devices, and we know that. Most of us have several devices at home, different brands, different, um, different technologies, and they all support this single technology that is HTML5. In some, in, in some different levels, perhaps your TV has a, supports a smaller subset than what your iPhone supports, or the other way around. Um, but the common denominator is that HTML5 mostly works in all these devices, right? So, but we're not taking advantage of that. We're, we keep programming for native platforms time and again, and we still don't find nothing really wrong with it. You don't hear people complaining too much. Um, okay. There we go. Uh, also, we have standard APIs. Whenever you program for HTML5, especially if you're a web developer, you have to learn one set of APIs that are for sure going to be exactly the same in each browser that is standards compliant. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to uh, look at um, different manuals, different, different how different dev devices handle it. You know that if you program HTML5 standard and your browser supports it, you're good to go. Um, there's less fragmentation. Admittedly, there's some, there's some fragmentation that uh, different devices' browsers support different subsets, and that can still be a pain. But guess what web developers are good at doing? Web developers for Ages, we have been amazing at doing cross-browser uh, development, right? We never called it fragmentation. We called it our job. Like we, our, our, our staff had to work on several browsers, starting, for, starting with the first fights between Netscape and Internet Explorer, and now expand to four other browsers and deal with all kinds of problems. And I think that in the mobile world, these problems are not even that bad. So yeah, there is some fragmentation, but it's you can, you can go over it. You cannot go over fragmentation between Android 4 and fra Android 2. You have to choose what to implement for what phone. And also, we're not only talking about fragmentation in Android. Well, if, if you extrapolate to the mobile world, you have fragmentation between four different major phones. And this fragmentation is not going away. You'll, you no, they are not going to make any pact and you know, uh, make, make their frameworks and applications compatible. Um, the main advantage too, or one of the main advantages as well, is that you can, your freedom, you're not, you're not constrained to the frameworks, tooling environment that, so that, that uh, Android or iOS or, or Microsoft uh, give you. You can choose whatever you want. And now we're kind of a, in a golden age of JavaScript development in which we have all these amazing frameworks that uh, take different paradigms and allow you to program your application as you want. If you like MVC, MVC. If you like uh, functional reactive programming, you can do it that way too. If you just need something simple and you, you want to use jQuery, just quick and dirty, you can do it. 
that's no, no problem at all. There's no restrictions. You have a blank slate, and you can choose from your technologies to your tooling. You can use whatever editor you want. If you like IDEs or you like editors, whatever you want. There's nothing that restricts you. In other platforms, you have to use what they say, because it works better. You have to use their build system. You have to use either Xcode, Eclipse, or IntelliJ, whatever you use, which are good tools, but you know, they, you have to use those. You have no other option. And now, there's several bullshit arguments. Whenever, whenever you talk about this with, with people, especially with native developers, um, the, it always comes. The first argument always comes that always comes is performance. Um, performance in HTML5 apps is obviously lower than native apps. There's there's no point in discussing that. Um, native apps are native, and HTML5 is running on a browser and is interpreted. And even if browsers jit things out and it's gotten pretty fast, of course it's going to be slower on paper. But that does mean doesn't mean that your applications will feel slower or will run slower effectively. I don't think so. Um, some time ago, I'm sure that many of you are familiar with it, uh, Mark Zuckerberg came out on stage, and he was, he, his, his words were kind of um, misinterpreted in a way. But basically, he said that uh, Facebook for iOS switched to native because uh, HTML5 was not ready yet. Performance was not ready, and they could not make it work as they wanted, so they switched to native. And of course, TechCrunch and all these people picked up and started saying, like, HTML5 is dead, immobile, it's not going to work. Um, but a week later, or two weeks later, Sencha, a JavaScript uh, company, actually with, with offices in Amsterdam, uh, came up with this Facebook app in HTML5 for iPhone. Um, what they did is a Facebook clone with exactly the same features as Facebook native app that was, in fact, faster, especially when scrolling and doing all kinds of stuff. As you can see in this video, same phone, um, same two apps, and it's equally fast. Why were they able to do that? Because they put a lot of work. Because um, the main problem that we have nowadays is that uh, many web developers jump right away into the, into the mobile world just using their current knowledge without adapting it in particular to phones. Well, all, they, all they do is make a liquid layout and make it fit in the screen, but use the same code base as they use for the desktop. Of course, desktop is a very powerful environment. It has nothing to do with, phone, with mobile. So Sencha used uh, uh, some smart tricks that their framework does for them uh, automatically. Um, in which they use iframes for each view, and that made it fast because it used different threads. Um, you, you should read the blog post, it's pretty interesting. So the point being, yeah, it can be as fast as it, but you have to know your environment. You have to know how to, how to make it fast. The other example that made the runs in the internet was this, this uh, JavaScript. Uh, this C++, this is the Unreal game engine. Um, basically, C++ engine transcompiled to JavaScript using mscripten, which is a, a very, very interesting project that takes C's source code, uh, source code and uh, pours it to JavaScript, transpiles it to JavaScript, and this is using ASM.js. Um, ASM.js is this subset of JavaScript that already is already in, in Firefox uh, builds um, that gets native speeds. So this is this game is just 
JavaScript, and it feels like the native version. So that's where we're going. So all this, and, and, and uses WebGL. So even if performance arguments mattered right now, they're not going to matter in a matter of a year. They're not going to be important. The second bullshit argument you hear a lot is about JavaScript, the language itself. Um, usually, JavaScript is... I'm, I'm, I'm in a very comfortable spot here because all you guys use JavaScript and probably you don't have to be convinced about that. But, uh, and I'm not going to fight this battle about JavaScript being good or not. Um, I like it. Uh, there's this, we all have this love-hate relationship with it. We love it most of the time, but every now and then we have some... Why is it like this? Um, J JavaScript has its words. Um, uh, but I still, find it a, I still find it a bad excuse that the language gets blamed instead of you know, trying to embrace it and say, like, okay, this is the most uh, used language in the world. Let's see, let's see what, it, what is behind. Um, in any case, JavaScript is going to change very soon. JavaScript Next is around the corner. Most browsers, modern browsers, are implementing uh, JavaScript uh, harmony or good parts of it. So you can already use uh, some of the goodies, and soon we'll have classes, we'll have a module system, we'll have optional type specifications, so all kinds of stuff. But even if you would be unconvinced by that, um, right now we also have all these languages, super high-quality languages, very well-maintained, that transpile to JavaScript with tooling support, with all kinds of stuff. There's um, each of these languages is aimed at one particular kind of developers to make them feel comfortable with the environment. Um, so we have Dart for Java developers, more close to Java. Uh, ClojureScript, the more functional, Lispy developers. TypeScript, which is pretty awesome, actually coming from Microsoft, which is basically JavaScript, but a superset of it adding classes and typing. Very convenient for big projects because it will do type checking uh, at compile time. Objective-J for uh, iOS developers, uh, Opal LiveScript, all these, these are functional. Um, CoffeeScript, we all know. So these are a massive, there's a massive amount of languages. In fact, I went to all JS before the conference, and I ran this code just to see how many languages that transpile to JavaScript are there. And there's 269 only in that page. Um, these are all different languages in JavaScript. Some, some have threads, some have... I mean, for, for each need, you can, you know, if JavaScript is not your thing and you can definitely deal with it, there's no excuse for not programming, uh, for not using HTML and mobile. You can still use, use any language, which is an amazing amount of freedom. Um, yeah, that's, these are a bit of code if you want to see the names of it. Um, the third bullshit argument is looks. Um, and that's actually, I kind of agree with it. Most of most web apps the, for mobile look really bad. Um, but is that a real argument? I don't think so. I think that um, the looks is just that people, developers of web apps, usually don't put enough, um, enough effort on making it look good since they are web apps. There's something in the mindset that's like, oh, it's a web. It's not as, it doesn't have to be as finished as, as other apps. These two screenshots are from a web application called Forecast.io. Um, Forecast.io, if you go to the web page, it will work in any device, in any browser, and it will adapt, it will be beautiful. And if you try it on your phone, it will just look amazing. And it looks native. You, at no point you feel that it is not a native app. Everything is smooth, snappy, it uses 
cool effects everywhere. In fact, it's a very, very good weather app. It shows real-time maps of the clouds, all kinds of stuff. You would not know that is a web app. And the only thing they did is put a lot of effort, making it performant, um, making it look good. And there you go. You have an app that runs on every device beautifully. Um, there are some real arguments, though, against making web apps for phones. And the main one is there's no phone APIs. So that's quite a showstopper. If, you, you, if you're convinced, like, I'm going to develop this HTML5 app, uh, I'm really convinced about using JavaScript and HTML to make my app, you're going to use it, and then you want to access the camera at some point. You can. There's no way from your JavaScript browser in the, in the system to access phone APIs, to make it call, to make it vibrate, to send an SMS, to access the sensors. Of course, um, many of you have used PhoneGap, most likely, or Accelerator. These guys uh, are trying uh, very hard, and they're doing a great work, especially PhoneGap, to make a bridge between um, HTML apps and native apps. So it basically allows you to write your app and, through their own APIs, access the underlying phone um, services and APIs which is awesome. And PhoneGap has done a, an extremely good service to the community um, over the years. But uh, PhoneGap's main mission has always been to eventually disappear, to not be necessary. To not be necessary because we will have a way in which web apps don't have to be a second-class citizen in the mobile world, uh, and that we can just program right away in HTML accessing these APIs. There's also a disadvantage to, to relying uh, to these companies is that it's still a company. It can go away. Um, they cannot be as fast. They cannot be possibly as fast as the um, uh, as the uh, phone maker releases their APIs. So when there's a new iOS, they have to work very hard to quickly implement all the new APIs in the um, in the in the new PhoneGap version. And sometimes they can't do it timely, and sometimes they cannot access the APIs at all. They have to do crazy workarounds um, and stuff like this. So it, it ends up uh, with HTML5 apps still being second-class citizens. It requires much more, tef much more effort. It requires to use build systems. Uh, even at the beginning, they were not allowed in the App Store, uh, in the Apple App Store. That changed, but it could change again. You know, you you you're subject to all these companies. It's very it's a very fragile uh, environment to rely on. So here comes Mozilla, and Mozilla is seeing that what what is happening. Mozilla is seeing all these companies creating wall gardens, um, and I don't know if you remember the 2000s. I hope so. I I, I would feel very old otherwise. Um, in the 2000s, Mozilla realized of what was going on. What happened is that Netscape browser was just going away very quickly, and people were using IE, IE5 or IE6. And actually, IE was a, was a good browser for the time. The problem is that it was the only one, and Microsoft decided what, whatever to do with it. Decided new APIs, um, created ActiveX, a pain of many developers afterwards, and they were just creating their own environment. They were creating a massive wall garden in which they would 
eventually own the web if everybody would go like this. So Mozilla decided to break that and to uh, create uh, a standards-compliant browser and to push standards. Um, that browser was Firefox. Their code name was Phoenix um, at the beginning. And it's, it, it took a while for it to, uh, to, to get users, but in the end it did, right? And their mission is very similar to Firefox OS. The mission was about get letting other browsers implement these standards and make standards the main thing. The mission of Firefox was never to be very popular as a browser. The mission was to make, other, to make everybody standards compliant, to force Internet Explorer to be standards compliant. So same with Firefox OS. Mozilla created Firefox OS um, as a new mobile OS. Of course, they want to sell many, and of course, they want to people to use it. But the main thing to take home about Firefox OS is that it pushes web API standards. So Mozilla is working with the W3C to make this, the, the APIs, the camera API, the microphone API, all, everything that can be accessed, accessed on a device to make it a, a W3C standard that everybody can implement. Um, there's no wall gardens. Uh, Mozilla has its marketplace, but you don't have to use it. And you can, you're guaranteed that your APIs, your, um, uh, their APIs, and all these won't change as standards don't change easily. So how do you go with uh, um, starting to make Firefox OS apps? So it's, it's pretty easy. You just, basically, the minimum of Firefox OS app is you take any website, you use some web API if you want, and you put a manifest file, and that already is an official app in Firefox OS. So basically, you've all done Firefox OS apps already. They're just not very good. They don't work great, let's say that way, in Firefox. So how would you go? What would be the first thing you do on, on Firefox OS? I'm sure that you're all familiar with HTML code. You're all familiar with event listeners. So in this whole part of code, if you see it right, um, there's not a single thing that you don't know except for this navigator.vibrate in the middle of all. Um, if you see here, it's a very simple HTML, HTML structure a script. We add an event listener to the Windows that says device proximity, that listens to device proximity event. So whenever that happens, we pick up the event, and if the value is less than 10, we call vibrate. What that, what that makes in any web page, if you go to Firefox OS in that web page, um, you take the phone, you get it close to you, and when it gets closer, it will vibrate. That's all it does. It does that with that amount of lines. And you don't need anything else. You don't need any build. You just have this web page, you put in Firefox, and that's it. Um, you need a manifest web, like kind of a package JSON for uh, Firefox that describes more or less what your app does, put some icon, and if you need permissions, you ask for it. But uh, that's all. And we have all kinds of APIs. Um, here I pointed out which ones are already approved by the W3C, but you will have from, you can access absolutely every aspect from the phone, in the phone with only JavaScript, and usually with only one line. Just uh, from locking the mouse to geolocation to vibration to web payments for apps, um, ambient lights, proximity, notifications. Uh, these are the normal apps, uh, the normal APIs which means that anybody can use them and you don't require special privileges. Then you have the privileged APIs in which you have to be in the App Store to be able to use, which are con accessing contacts, device storage, and all this more sensitive stuff. And then you have certified APIs, which only apps that 
ship with Firefox uh, can use right now, but they will open it up to, to more apps in the future, which includes like calling people, sending SMS, um, getting Wi-Fi information, shutting, shutting down the Wi-Fi, opening it using Bluetooth. Um, this is an example of uh, how you would do a notification. Just create notification, you add the title, you add the content, and an icon, an optional icon, and that's it. Just normal JavaScript. This is how you send an SMS. Just sms.send, the number, and the message itself. And you put an unreceived handler for whenever this SMS is received and do whatever you want. Just normal JavaScript. <laughs> this poor guy um, asked in Yahoo Answers if it's bad when your computer vibrates. I just bought an Acer computer with Vista three days ago. I don't know, but sometimes it starts to vibrate and shakes my mouse a bit. Is it broke or something? Um, it usually would be broke, but if you use the Vibrate API, it's just the navigator vibrate uh, um, thousand will vibrate for a second. If you put a pattern, it will vibrate for uh, this particular pattern. So it's just one line. And in fact, the cool part is that a thing that um, Chromium actually implements a Vibrate API. I don't know why they would need it in a desktop computer, but you could use it if you want. I don't think anything will vibrate, though. Um, of course, there's uh, security concerns, and uh, you don't want anybody to just use your phone or send SMSs or uh, use your contacts API. So on your, on your um, packages and on your web manifest, you just have to declare what are you going to use. And that's what the App Store will use to, to see what your app does. So these are good, but I haven't said anything about, to me, what the best feature is. And is that um, Firefox OS is amazing for developers. I mean, there, there's not, anything, not a difference with how you develop a web page. You have your tools, you have your inspector, you have your debugger, your profilers, your everything uh, that you want. To, to make the same apps that you do for the web, but they run on the phone natively. And actually, I want to show you a video that was released very recently by Dave Camp, which is the, who is the boss, the head of DevTools in Mozilla. Um, let me see. Okay, there we go. No. You guys see it right? This is a bit. Sorry about that. There we go. Oh, shit, it's running already. Sorry. So the video starts. The video starts with the responsive view that is already in your. So everything I will show is already in your Firefox browser in the nightly. So it starts with the responsive view which is a special view you have in tools in which you can uh, declare the size of the viewport you want, and it will simulate any, any viewport. So he was developing this calculator app in Firefox, the browser, normally, like you would do in, in any browser. No Firefox OS involved. So he's changing the view size and all. And then he's like, OK, I want to try this on the simulator, on the Firefox OS simulator. That also comes as an add-on for Firefox browser. Um, first, he fires the app manager, which is already in the nightly. He adds two apps. First, he adds a Bugzilla to-dos, and then he adds the uh, calculator app. 
once he's added it, um, he, will, he will try it on the simulator. So clicking a button, it fires up um, the simulator on the app that he, that he selected. He installs it by hitting update on each app. The apps are already there in the system. And now he can just fire it up and click debug. And whenever he hits debug, the app fires up, and it also an inspector instance fires up. Right? So from that moment on, you can, he starts modifying the CSS of this calculator. He's definitely a developer, not a designer, so don't judge him for it. Um, so he turns the background pink. He, he will change uh, some more stuff in the calculator to make it a little bit more bearable. And then from the same inspector tools, he will save to the, to the original file. Once it's saved, um, he does some, some more stuff, but he closes it up. So off he, he closes the simulator. And now this, what you see there on the left, is a video of the phone, which he just connected to the computer he is. So that's a real, uh, a real Firefox phone. And what he does from the same app manager, he will just update the phone. He connects to the phone. And now he has access to all the apps that exist in the phone. He can launch any app. He can debug any, phone ins uh, any app inside the phone itself from the Firefox browser. Uh, see permissions of every app. You, can, you have access to everything. But anyway, he goes to the, the apps that he just created at the beginning, and he uploads them on the phone. You can see them appearing, it, uh, the icons appearing. And now he does the same as he did before. He just hits debug. Calculator comes up. You have your app running on the phone. You have your, your inspector running on your computer. And he, as you see, you can see the, that, that the, he types in the, in the calculator. And it changes real time on the, on the inspector itself. So you can just seamlessly develop anything and see the results immediately on both sides. He changes the text of the clear button, changes immediately in the phone. So doing that, um, in that uh, developing like that is really, really a joy. It's super nice. You don't have to care about he, He's showing an alert in the console as well. So you have the same access as you would have in a normal browser web application, but in your phone. And nothing changes. You just have a phone connected. That's how it should be, in my opinion. Um, and it makes developing on that, on that phone a real joy. So yeah, real developer bliss in all fronts. That's, that's the best. Um, the simulator, uh, you can just download it as, a, as an add-on to your Firefox. You don't even need the, the nightly. And it comes with a complete Firefox OS system. So you officially don't need a phone. Eventually, you always need a phone to make sure everything works, but the simulator is really good. It runs its own gecko and everything, so you can right away start trying it out. Um, more resources. Everybody has made sure between Mozilla and, and partners to create a, a lot of quality documentation. So uh, in building FirefoxOS.com, you, you can find uh, CSS, stencils, icons, transitions ready to use, the, the recommended ones. Um, all kinds of PSD downloads as well for, for creating vector size icons and, and stuff like this. Um, Mozilla has just, not just, but uh, recently released Brick. I don't know how many of you are familiar with web components yet. I think there was another talk in this, uh, in this conference about it. 
So Brick is kind of a Google's polymer, uh, but by Mozilla using XDAX, which is their own technology as well. Anyway, they created um, this platform which you only have to mention like elements um, like uh, Flipbox. You just make a Flipbox, you say what it's in its side of the continent, you throw it in your page, and it will just uh, super uh, it will create a very performant uh, component that will just rotate uh, whenever you click on it. And like this, all the components you can imagine, like menus, all kinds of uh, all kinds of uh, utilities. Um, in we created as well at Telenor many apps and uh, boilerplates. So this is an Angular app running uh, on the on the simulator that just creates a template for a for a normal app with lists and stuff that you click on things that you very often used in an, in an app. And it's already ready to use if you, if you fancy Angular. Um, that's what we use to make apps. It's pretty convenient. And it runs very fast on Firefox. And of course, we created more documentation. Everything is in, the, uh, is, is in our website. So you can find all kinds of stuff uh, to get started. It's super easy and very nice, since you don't need um, even a phone or anything to publish your app in the App Store right away. Uh, Mozilla also has its developer hub, which contains more of the same, more icons, more design, how to build stuff, how to build particular uh, features that might not have been cooked into the latest uh, nightly. And they have their own marketplace. Before, I said that you don't even need to be in, in, in their marketplace, and you don't. You can host your own app, you can have your own marketplace, like vendors will have their own marketplaces, uh, but Mozilla has their official one, and if you want, uh, it's pretty convenient to be there. But if you want to be there, the only thing that your app has to do is to not crash and to not pose any security problem. And if that works, they will accept it. There's no, um, no filters like the App Store, which means that perhaps at the beginning we'll see more less beautiful apps because they're more lenient accepting them. But the thing is that eventually it's good for, for developers. And the best part of all, um, many people have Androids. Many of you have Androids. Firefox OS works on Android right away. If you install the Firefox browser, you can run any app made for Firefox OS, and it will access um, inter um, Android internals. So you can just use Firefox OS to run apps in the marketplace, to test your own apps, and whatever you want. And I think that's all I got. So thank you very much. Should I go there? Uh, yeah, go? thanks, guys. That was awesome. Appreciate that. <laughs> the talk was fantastic. Uh, you uh, found the trick to make sure that I am, uh, I have very large scroll bars in my Twitter client. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But everyone asked fantastic questions, and thank you very much for everyone, the awesome engagement there. That was a lot of fun. Um, and everyone was really, really into it. Huh. All right, uh, so one of the first, um, so I will, I'm just gonna ask a bunch of questions and after I'll, I'll announce uh, who I picked. Um, but uh, first question um, is how can, how can Firefox OS uh, help to influence um, Apple and Google to treat web apps as first class citizens? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Thing is, Firefox OS is going to go 
through several phases. Right now, you know, one of the problems I have usually is that whenever I show a Firefox OS prototype phone or one of the first phones that we develop, um, Firefox is trying to uh, release that phone as a first phone in, in developing markets. So people will jump right, right away from feature phones to uh, the, their first smartphone, which will be Firefox OS. In order to sell in these markets, you have to make very cheap phones, hardware phones. And these are the phones that we have to demo. Or that, yeah, I mean, this, this is the only hardware we have. So we go to conferences uh, in Europe or the States in which people have amazing phones, like the latest iPhone 5S. And then you show Firefox, and they're like, yeah, this can't compete. This is a bit slower. I'm like, yeah, the, that's, the point is not to compete against Firefox or, or Android, is to create awareness, to create user base, and to make web APIs available um, so that this eventually happens. So um, Google seems more open to the idea of uh, web APIs. And in fact, they're implementing some in Chrome. The ones approved by the W3C are slowly making their way in. Also, Google has this, the, the Chrome OS, which is a very similar concept to Firefox OS. Um, Google being a web company, I think that they will eventually lean towards um, a web operating system. And if they do that, it will be silly to not uh, use the standards that Mozilla is helping create. So I think that eventually will happen. I think that Android uh, will also follow its course, but I don't know. I think, I, I think that eventually Google will, will bet on Chrome OS, but that's just my opinion. Apple is more, much more different. Apple has no intention of buying in, in the web since their app strategy is extremely successful and they make good money and they like to have their own wall garden. Um, but I think that if web standards, if web API standards become important, Google and Firefox um, start using it, and people start programming it, Apple will have to uh, yield at some point and accept them. Perhaps at first parallel to their apps, uh, to their app store, but uh, it will have to happen, or developers will just choose other formats because they're much easier to develop and they run everywhere. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, uh, a bit technical, um, so for, for actually building Firefox apps, um, what, what is the story regarding kind of the, the debugging and profiling uh, tools? And how do you, like what is the approach to basically building a performant Firefox OS app? Mm -hmm. uh, do you just start in Firefox and build something that works fine in desktop Firefox? Or like what is the best way to approach that and, and make something that's, that's fast and responsive? Right. Um, so since you can use the same tools and the same debugger for mobile and desktop, it doesn't matter if you start in desktop or not. Um, usually it's the most convenient because you don't need, I mean, when you're starting an app, you don't need to right away switch to simulator um, and start using what will be the real environment. But basically you can, um, you can use what Firefox offers in terms of debugging and, and profiling, which is pretty good. I think that uh, the only thing I miss for now is uh, a memory profiler like Chrome has, which is awesome. Um, but it will come. DevTool, the DevTools team is working a lot, and they're releasing stuff literally every week. So you have the same exact environment as you have when you develop web pages. So the, the answer is just you debug it as you debug your web page and as you make sure that it's performant. So you can draw uh, CSS regions to see what is being re repainted. You can see reflows. You can uh, run profiler on particular functions. 
you can do what, what you do for your web page. Nice. Um, another question, um, I guess there's a bit of, the question is, how will Firefox OS get traction in more saturated markets? Um, so the current concern, I guess, uh, that was raised is, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation where a developer you know, might feel like they're gonna wait until there's more presence in that market. Um, kind of what is, how do you tell a developer um, how to address that? Right. So, um, yeah, I think that that will depend a lot on the, on the telco partners as well. Um, they, they are the ones who have the power of making uh, high numbers of phones available in a particular market like they are doing in Spain. Spain is the only Western country where uh, Firefox phones are being deployed by Telefonica. And I think it's very successful so far because they are aiming at teenagers, like dropping the prices like crazy. So it's getting a user base. Um, that, it will take a while, I think, in the Western markets to, to get real traction and to be at the levels of Android or iOS. But I think it's, first of all, developing an app for Firefox OS, if you have a web page already or, or an HTML5 app, it's relatively easy. You just have to throw in a manifest and you will have something already working there. But yeah, I think that it will be, um, it will take a bit, but it will happen as soon as we have more high-end hardware coming to the markets. And one question, um, actually, just from me. Uh, uh, a web app on the web, can I essentially install that to the home screen? Yeah. Do I need, uh, do I need, I need a manifest in place to do uh, that? Yes, for the, well, I mean, you can, you can put a, a normal web in the home screen, okay. but uh, it won't. If you want to use, let's say, um, some API yeah, in the yes. phone, you need the manifest. Got it. Cool. That's great. Um, how quickly will updates to Firefox OS be pushed to phones? Um, three months. You can count on. We are. Is that for 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 everyone with Firefox OS that they're going to get updates? Um, yeah. Well, it depends. It's the same story a little bit than what happens with Androids. Um, so if you get the Google phone, the Nexus you get updates as soon as Google releases them. If you have a Samsung, maybe you have to wait until Samsung decides to release it. So it's going to be the same with the vendors. But uh, Mozilla is really, that's, uh, I, I, I don't know if they put in the contract or not, but they, one of the main points they stress is that vendors cannot take long until they push a new version. So the idea is every three months we'll have a new major version coming. Now we, the 1.1 was just released. By Christmas, more or less, we'll have 1.2. And usually vendors should follow up in the following weeks, so more or less every three months. So it, it's it's up to the, the the telco to ship the OS out. If you're if you're with a telco it. phone, if you if you use one of the Mozilla phones that are there, like the ZTEs, or you install your own build, which is pretty easy as well. You don't have to wait for anything. But if you get it from the Vodafone shop and you don't want to, you're not an expert user mm. or a developer. Yeah, you have to wait until they. They updated. Mm. Um, what's this, what's the situation with Firefox OS coming to tablets? And I guess like how does Mozilla see the tablet story, um, like the open web and, and Firefox OS coming to the tablet versus uh, what the story is on phones? Right. So um, this I don't know that much about the issue. I know that APC IO uh, is creating even computers with Firefox OS, and I think that Foxconn released a tablet with Firefox OS already. They modified their own. Uh, some components. So Firefox, I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't run on a tablet since it's all HTML5 and it's 
kind of liquid uh, layout and responsive layout. Um, but I think that uh, it's still very early. Um, though, uh, although if you have an ARM processor and you run on a, a boot, a, an Android boot process, you can just do it and see. I don't think that Mozilla is focusing on that uh, this year, but I think next year we'll see a lot of that. Cool. Um, last question. Um, is uh, is WebIntent something that Mozilla is going to push more and use internally for communicating between apps and opening up like you yeah. know, the handlers? Yeah, you can use, it's called Web Activities inside Firefox OS, and they're trying to make it a standard. Um, but yeah, it that's, that's implemented already in Firefox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since the very since the very first version, okay. very first version. So you have um, that's the the cool part is that you don't need to even have a certificate or do any security stuff. You just say like, if your app needs an image, you just get a web activities for images, and then it will pop up like who is a provider for images, like the camera, the the image library app, and you can the user can choose. And since the user can choose at that point, um, you don't need any permission to do it. Cool. So it's That's great. All right. Uh, well, thank you, Sergey. This was great. Thank you so much.